How's it, everybody? This is Brother Noel for your soul. We're getting closer. I'll be joining Mr. Henry Capono for Artist to Artist at the Blue Note Waikiki, May 13th. Join us. The Pueo, the Camera, and Me with Brother Nolan, Episode 4, Puanui and Asia Lin. And how's that, everybody? This is the Puheho, the camera, and me. I'm Brother Novo Yosol. Hey, Hawaii. All right, time to remove my shades. No, time to put them back on. <laughs> time to take off my mask. And let me say aloha to everybody out there in Kahilo TV land. Welcome to another edition of uh, the show. And today is very, very special. Told you guys we'd go a little bit deeper. Yeah, get into the actual aloha aina. Yeah, and how it ties in with the music, the dance, the culture, and the lifestyle of Hawaii Island. So today we are in the beautiful uh, area of uh, Havi slash Kohala. And uh, this is Puanui, this whole area. Puanui, very, very special and sacred place. And I'm so privileged to have my favorite niece in all of the world <laughs> joining me to the left, yeah, <laughs> and to the right, yeah, a beautiful, beautiful hey aloha mele, as in the song. So that's what we want to try and do today to help you to understand how the music connects with the, with the culture and also the history, the history of Hawaii Island and the history of uh, this beautiful place, uh, Puanui and uh, Kohala and Havi and Kehaos, uh, uh, born and raised in Waimea, uh, uh, but also a world traveler. It's been many places and we can kind of get into that and how that uh, really uh, grounds you and makes you appreciate why you live in Hawaii and specifically Hawaii Island. And then there's Mele over here, you know, born and raised in Waipio Valley. You know, when I think about uh, Waipio, I think about uh, Waipio as like a visitor attraction already. And I also think that, wow, how, how weird that must be to be born and raised in Waipio, right? And to watch other people coming down and visit, it's almost as if uh, you're on display, you know? Uh, and maybe we can touch a little bit on, on that too. And, uh, how we can kind of like balance out all this, uh, all of this that we have here in Hawaii, yeah, from, from uh, uh, you know, the, the tourist trap, so to speak, all the way to why we choose to live here and why we try to keep this uh, culture and uh, style so alive over here. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, couldn't choose a better place and a better day and today, you know, because, I mean, you know, <laughs> this place is not always like this. No. Hashtag bless. <laughs> <laughs> not always like this. Yeah. Normally, we would be resisting 40 mile an hour gust winds. Uh, and we wouldn't, we probably be a good idea to sit down too at that time if we're on the slope like we are right now. <laughs> not a good idea to stand up in that wind. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in a nutshell, <laughs> You know, tell us about this uh, 
wonderful, wonderful place. I mean, so tranquil, so much. But, you know, I know for a fact, and I've been here a time or two, you know, where this place was thriving and surviving and just flourishing, right? I mean, right? I'm in the Hawaiian side of here before at one time. Well, we do know that um, back in, in the days when the field system was um, thriving, uh, that the population here on this island is more than, than it is today. Um, and so all of our islands, actually with the exception of Oahu, um, were heavier populated at that time than they are today. Um, and this, this field system, the Kohala Dryland Agricultural Field System, um, played a, a very important, a vital and integral role um, in sustaining and feeding uh, the people of, of Hawaii and the people at that time. Not just Hawaii Island, but of all Hawaii? Hawaii Island. Hawaii Island, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, probably what had, what, triple, quadruple amount of people? Uh, well, we estimate that currently there's approximately 210,000 people living on the island at this time. And um, if all the islands were more populated in ancient times than they are today, more than 210,000 people living on Hawaii Island in ancient times. Wow. So <laughs> what was this then before it was ranch land? Uh, it was a breadbasket for Hawaii, producing um, the second, sta second staple, and I would say the favorite is kalo, but the second favorite is sweet potato or wala. So um, if we look at Hawaii Island in general, it's dry. Most of the areas are dry. So the dryland agricultural field systems were feeding the 200,000s of people in ancient times. Uh, Ka'u had a system, Kona had a system, and um, Kohala had a system. And what uh, makes Kohala's system stand out is that it was at its peak upon Western contact. And the others became more organized after Western contact. Wow. So, what does that mean? I mean, like, like weren't the uh, different islands battling? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, no, territorial, I guess. I, I guess I was kind of uh, trying to say, you know, like, I mean, like, who who prospered, I guess, right? And then who controlled it so that it wouldn't get out of hand? I mean, maybe you guys can kind of explain, like, like, I guess, you know, what's really important, uh, everybody out there in Wonderland, is uh, you wonder how, how you can be a tiny dot in the middle of the sea, yeah, and you're not a continent, right? So you have nowhere to, once you run out of a resource, you have nowhere to go. Like you can't travel across <clears throat> the continent and take over somebody else's territory or grow someplace else. You're in a tiny dot in the middle of the sea. How are you able to sustain, yeah, like hundreds of thousands of people? I mean, there's, there is a formula and there is a magic about all of that. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, <laughs> I would agree. And clearly our ancestors uh, mastered the skill of managing their resources. They also were able to predict their needs generations ahead of what their needs might be. And so they would be prepared for that. We wonder also, what was the next step after the Kohala dryland field system. When um, the Westerners hit the shores, uh, things changed quickly in Hawaii, throughout Hawaii. 
One of the major things that occurred was the introduction of diseases, and that, um, in our case, removed the people from the aina and um, abandoned the, the Kohala dry land field system as a result of that. Um, but I think to back up a little bit, you know, who prospered? Uh, we would need to define prosper and prosperous. So in times of old, uh, today we accumulate money and that is a measurement of our prosperity. Mm -hmm. um, but in times of old, acquiring mana or mm -hmm. spiritual power was uh, prosperous. So you, you, know, you may have been an ali'i but not prosperous because you weren't engaging in practices um, or following advice that would allow for you to accumulate mana. You may have been, you know, neglectful of that or abusing it perhaps even. Um, so it doesn't, you know, it's kind of different the way that we look at prosperity now and what prosperity might have looked like in the past. Well, in, in actuality, uh, it would be, uh, it would be really cool to take some of those traditional, uh, you know, traditions and, and actually implement them in today's, you know, where everything is not based on money. You know, we got all the buzzwords today, right? Mm -hmm. Organic, free range, sustainability, Regenerative. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, those, to me, those are all buzzwords, yeah? Mm. And you know how we grew up, like, in, I'm sure too, in Waipu, yeah? The way you, our ohana or our families, they just put us on the land or they put us on the water. Right, and that's the so to me when people talk about sustainability, yeah, and it gets like too scientific, yeah. I simplify it like one Hawaiian mindset, and I just say the only way you know how to be sustainable is to be unsustainable, right? So, you know, I go and in, I go into the bushes with one knife and one backpack. That's it, right? So what you got to develop to me is you got to develop skills, right? And I think that uh, Hawaiian people, Kapoi Kahiko, right? They they were really uh, you know, uh, animate about their children and their children's children and the families, uh, you know, up, learn skills, yeah, to apply so that, you know, they become specialists in, in their fields, you know, like, look at this field. I mean, you know, I mean, this field, what? She stretched all the way to Kona. <laughs> Not quite. What the? Um, what the? So the Kohala Dryland Field System is actually uh, 25 square miles large. Oh my um, gosh. Yep. Or some of our, we had an eighth grade class that came and visited, and one of the students said, Auntie, how many football fields is 25 square miles? And Auntie Kahala said, Oh, brother, you got to go figure them out. <laughs> so he did the math. And we found out that it's um, it's about 15,000 football fields large, yeah, wow. which is equivalent to about 16,000 acres. Um, and for the kids, I think it's important um, that uh, we share that it's 15,000 football fields because for them, they can relate, right? Most kids have been on a football field and then to realize, whoa, 15,000, how many is that? You know, and it's crazy. So the Kohala dryland field system stretches from uh, Pu'ukahua off in the distance um, all the way further north to Upolu Point, yeah? Yeah. Um, and so it's really large. I just want to um, touch on Uncle Nolan's question too about uh, who prospered or what prospered. Um, and for me, it also goes back to the reciprocation, yeah? There was an understanding I think our, our kupuna had um, that allowed them to be so innovative. Uh, Number one, uh, they, they were connected and there was such a fine attunement 
to the aina and to their environment, to their surroundings. Um, and they understood that in order for them to thrive, the aina was also thriving. Yeah, and so there was this, this really deep, innate understanding um, that that was a reciprocal relationship. And so in order for them to prosper, the aina had to prosper. Yeah, yeah. And, and in turn, they were working together. It, it wasn't separate, yeah? It was yeah. definitely... I mean, yeah. if you really want to define what health and wellness is, uh -huh. yeah, it's the, it's the duality of both, right? You know, yeah. I remember, you know, you know, uh, learning that as well, you know, like, like uh, the land and the people are one, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that in the world today, even the way we separate and divide things, mm -hmm. Yeah, it becomes a consciousness already, mm -hmm. right? So we we're not just separated already. We 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 are detached. We we're detached from that concept, yeah, or that mindset, or that Hawaiian way of thinking, which makes it a struggle not only for uh, people that are visiting who are not used to to that concept, but also for uh, you know like our keiki and and uh, our generation that. You know, kind of grew up learning that, and then all of a sudden we gotta adapt and we gotta adjust to to the different way that you know people come in and and manipulate, I guess, yeah, or alter the way that we always did take care of the health and wellness of our islands. Yeah, I mean, so it's so crazy to think on that level, but more and more today in this this world that we live in. All those things are popping up, you know. Mm -hmm. Whether you're reading a Costco magazine, <laughs> right, or it, they're all they're all there, you know. And yeah. I think that there's, you know, like like the conference I went to, there's 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 knowledge, right. Well, most of the knowledge comes from a Western mindset, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so now they're really starting to see, like, wow, indigenous knowledge is cool, right. So my favorite line these days, everybody's primitive is cool. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, you know, uh, I would encourage everybody out here in Hawaii Island, even if you just moved here and you're going to choose this place as your home, yeah, to get out, you know. And there there are people like Kehau and Mele that love to share the way we do things around here. And, you know, pretty much that's what culture is, right? Culture is the way we do things around here, right? It's like, you guys know by now, right? You go to somebody's house over here, you take off your slippers, <laughs> yeah, or your shoes, you know, just walk in, right? That's culture. Like some other cultures in some other places of the world, they eat with the hand, right? They don't eat with the spoon or the fork. And I think just adapting to that, to that, is becomes a part of your uh, overall awareness mm -hmm. of things, you know. And like this place, Puanui, gets so much awareness, mm -hmm. you know. Like just come over here and sit. And, and so you know, the the lay of the land was so important to connect to the the growth and the spirit of our people Aye. yeah yeah mm. yeah and in particular you know like everywhere else in hawaii everything is very place specific and so the things that stand out here at puanui is the way that the land um lays for us right now what we see especially when you come up here we're actually on pu'ukehena and um we get we get a good view of puanui from pu'ukehena um, and the whole reason we come up Pu'ukehena is so we can show you guys what the land might have looked like in the past. But first we need to bring to your attention the things we can see now. So there are these lines on the pasture that we liken to the swells on the ocean. 
we want you to see those lines. And we bring it to your attention right in front of you, the lines that you can see right in front of you. Once you see those lines, we'd like you to see the lines that are further beyond us and onto the horizon of the pasture. The field system has these lines on them that are remnants of the field walls that held alternating rows of sugarcane or coal and sweet potato or uala. So all we would have seen from this perspective is sugarcane, as far as your eye can see. They would have been grown on these waves on the aina that we refer to as lines, but the scientists call field walls. The field walls held alternating rows of the sugarcane and uala. We couldn't see the uala because the uala is grown low. The sugarcane is high, like a grass. Um, anyways. Why is that? Yeah. Why, why are the field walls like that? Uh, they're definitely specific to Kohala because um, in Kohala, these field walls in the Kohala dry land field system runs parallel with the shoreline. In Kona, the Kona field system, the walls run Maukatumakai. Ah. Uh, we speculate that these walls were helpful in allowing for the sugar cane to grow perpendicular to the wind. And so, why is that? If the sugarcane is perpendicular to the wind, then the uh, sugarcane is slowing the wind down and capturing the rain to water the sweet potatoes in between. Uh -huh. um, and because it's dry land only, which wow. means unirrigated, so where's the water coming from if there's no irrigation? So come from the sky. It's from the sky. So then the, <laughs> so then, uh, the sugarcane is the Hawaiian sprinkler. Exactly. Ooh, smart, that is Hawaiians. Akamai no Hawaii. Wow. Wow, so this would all be sugarcane. Yes, this would all, we would see sugarcane and you can tell where the field system ends when you look makai. Um, the aina goes from green to brown. So that's oh. right where the rain ends. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so like we, on belt then. Exactly. Like. And we discovered this uh, working with our scientists, doing soil samples and whatnot. Um, but the Hawaiians discover that without those kinds of tools. <laughs> oh, so that's like guys that surf, right? They get they get on leash now, right? And they get one uh, jet ski and, and fiberglass lighter board. Right, and they, and they get one helicopter watching them. Eh? Back in the day, they never have nothing, right? Except your common sense, yeah, yeah. right? And and the, and that spirit that moves you, yeah, with the, like talking to the land, mm -hmm. you're asking the land, yeah, yeah what the, what what it wants, yeah, what it needs, and all that. That's so metaphysical. <laughs> You know, Dang. it really, it, it amazes me um, when you think about it. You know, at, at what point were our kupuna so confident in their skills mm -hmm. and their attunement that they, that they knew and they believe and they trusted um, that they could turn the field walls in, in running in a different direction and that they were still going to be able to provide and the aina was, was going to provide in, in such great... Um, you know, volume for the people, yeah? Wow. And so it just, it really amazes me how they were, again, so confident, so innovative, um, so aligned and attuned with the aina, that that simple thought, you know, oh, we're, we're here in Kohala, this is the way the wind's blowing, this is where the, the rain is coming from, so we're gonna turn the field walls this way and they're gonna run um, parallel to the kai, yeah, instead of perpendicular. Uh, this is like really cool, people, because uh, when I was at the survival school in New Mexico, until uh, we learned about natural cultural awareness, right? And, and so that brings up the point where Meli is speaking about awareness, yeah? And awareness is on such a peripheral level that, that it's amazing. It's hard to find that in people these days too. And when I was learning uh, the tracking skill, yeah, of tracking the animal's footprints or any kind of tracking, it was, 
you first think that it's about tracking animals, but it's about tracking everything, the weather system and everything. So actually awareness is when you pay attention to everything around you, yeah, and use all your senses to, you know, I mean, and that's amazing. And if you connect that to culture, to again, it's the way we do things around here. So I think, uh, Kehal, when you were saying like, like uh, explaining about how the Ahupua'as are different, mm -hmm from the Ahupas on other islands or other sections of Hawaii Island. That is because they know how to do things around here, right? By observing. <laughs> yes. Yeah? yeah. I would say that observation is key. So when we say skills, you know, that can only be attained through observation and recognizing patterns and then making predictions and then coming up with decisions that would best fit the area. So the ahupua out here are not the typical pie shape that we're accustomed to learning about in our history books or in our culture classes. Most islands, particularly uh, Kauai and Oahu, have many um, triangularly shaped ahupua where they're narrow at the mauka side or the forest areas and then they widen as they go makai. And so all your resources and all your needs, all your resources are in this um, pie shaped uh, aina organization and all your needs could be met. So you would be growing plants to provide for food. You'd be growing plants to um, build your hale, uh, to make your tools and etc. Um, or collecting implements for your hula um, or any artisan work that you would be doing. However, on the leeward side of Kohala, that um, this section, the 25 square miles that make up the Kohala dryland field system um, is organized in rectangularly shaped ahupua'a. They are not pie-shaped. Uh, they do run makai, just like the triangularly shaped ahupua'a, but they're rectangularly shaped. Um, and something that we've learned too in studying the um, Kohala dryland agricultural field system is that the ahupua'a um, started off as just nine divisions in this 25 square mile span. And then it went to from nine to 13. And then from 13, it went to 33. That's a big jump, 13 to 33. So like Mele had mentioned, we wonder, at what point did they feel confident that building out this field system would be a, a good idea? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Obviously, along the way, it was improving. So they were probably fine-tuning their efforts, and then the land started to get smaller and smaller, divided in smaller sections. That tells us that the land became more and more abundant. When you work on the aina, whether you're a farmer or a gardener or just you know rancher. putting up a fence, a rancher, uh, you understand what it's like to work on the aina. And you understand how much easier it is to manage a smaller parcel compared to a larger one. Um, so that's why we speculate that the land got smaller because it became more productive over time. Wow. So people out there, if you haven't gotten on the aina, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah, because when you put your feet yeah, you put your imprint on the aina. I think that you'll develop a deeper appreciation, yeah? Again, of like, I mean, when you think of Big Island, we think like so big, right? Because the other islands are smaller. But this is like a tiny dot in the middle of the sea, yeah? Yet, yet they were able to manage it so that nobody would starve, right? Or, you know, again, that prosperity thing, mm -hmm. you know, you think about. And so they, they figured out that like, wow. Okay, it's better if we make the ahupua'as this way, mm -hmm. yeah? And that's so interesting that, so in this Kohala area, I got 33 ahupua'as. Just in this little that's span. That's unreal, from, that. Only from Upolu Point to um, Pu'ukahua, I got 33 ahupua'as. That's, so, that's some islands don't even have that much <laughs> yeah, ahupua'as. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
it's uh it's interesting to see when you look out and one of the ways you can tell um where the boundary line lays between the ahupua'a is actually um, the field walls are offset or they're staggered. And that's an indication that there was most likely a trail running between those two ahupua'a. Um, and so that's where we know our kupuna, you know, they would hali hali or they would carry, um, whether that's tools or the harvest up and down. And those were the trails. Um, and they're so, they're so finite, you know, they look like a, um, almost like an upena or a net. If you were yeah. to look from an aerial view, right, of it, you'll see all these trails. A drone shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that would, that would capture it. Um, wow. But again, it's pretty, and it's pretty, it's kind of mind-blowing uh, to realize that there, the land must have been so fertile, yeah, and, and providing so much and thriving um, that our kupuna, you know, brought it down so that it was much more manageable um, and, and in smaller sections. I mean, yeah. that's the, that's the, that's the, like, it's that's like, magic. it's trippy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because yeah. it's like, it's like, it's so intricate, yet mm -hmm. it's so simple, mm -hmm. you know? Right. So like, I mean, now I know, like when I look across the land over here, wow, it's all green and then it stops. <laughs> all of a sudden, okay, that's where the rain ends, <laughs> right? So I, I was just kind of interested because when you look across here all the way to the horizon, mm -hmm. you see that it's all dry over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure they, that is a resource as well. Like they never just leave, must have something thriving. Yeah, is does that the connection to the ocean? I mean, what is the... Yeah, the, the ocean out here was definitely abundant. And ah. um, so like um, I mentioned earlier that the triangularly shaped ahupua'a was designed so that all your needs could be met. The resources were available so all your needs could be met. Here on the Kohala side, when the ahupua'a are organized in a rectangular way, uh, manner, we discover that it appears the um, resources were shared across the Makai boundaries. Ah. But they were assigned areas up here to work because this was supplementing their diet, the uwala. And um, there was plenty of fish. This area is known for... Um, fishing. Fishing, yeah, the Makai site. Yeah. Right, so, they, so they're, they're having uh, two resources. Yes. Yeah, and that's actually Hawaiians. That's it, eh? Just fish and... <laughs> yeah, and some aina. <laughs> yeah, and some fish and some aina. That's the, that's the two worlds, yeah? It's really interesting too because it's just on this corner of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not just uh, not just uh, the corner of the island, but right. the corner of the planet. Yeah. For that reason, that they, they. Well, now that you say the corner of the planet, actually nowhere else right. in the world was this kind of agriculture uh, occurring in on the entire planet. That's what I'm saying. During uh, this yeah. timeline, that's all. This was the only place that had this kind of ag going on. Uh, taking advantage of the rain, designing the aina to work with the rain and then have that productivity. So very innovative, our kupuna. And when you yeah. talk about working with anthropologists and, you know, archaeologists <laughs> and all that, I mean, so what time period is this? So uh, uh, Western contact would have occurred the time that Captain Cook came to the shore, so 1700s. Uh, I remember that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, the peak of the, okay, I may be wrong with this date, but I'm going to say uh, 1600 to 1700, we were well on our way um, having this system going good. Um, yeah. Well, and the uh, uh, islands weren't united yet, right? Not yet. Right, so... Yeah. So everybody had their, their thing that they were doing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Right. Uh, specific to their place, managing it as Ali'i would manage their particular area, mm -hmm. uh, protecting it, holding on to it, mm -hmm. you know, 
Um, but um, we believe that this was the breadbasket. So this was a high production um, agricultural system that gave mana to the chiefs of this area. And so the, these chiefs became the chiefs that were able to feed their people. And they set their eyes on other places like Kauai and Oahu to <laughs> conquer uh, because of that food source. They had the kalo out there. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they were going out there and, you know, doing their, all, of, all of that happened before the islands uh, were united under mm -hmm. King Kamehameha. Yeah. Because this is uh, Paia or Kamehameha's domain, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, he was raised here in the Kohala area. Well, he was uh, hidden here hidden. from the prophecy to have him killed. Um, and because he was, the prophecy was that there would be this chief born that would unite all the islands. And at that time, all the elite were fine having their own little areas, you know, and didn't want that to happen. So they wanted to kill him. Um, so, yes, he was raised in the valleys in the, um, on the windward side of Kohala. And then he was trained in South Kona by Kekuhaupi'o, uh, the warrior that trained him. And he did spend time up here, too, in his youth, playing around and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. Yes. Mm -hmm. so Doing like, magnificent things. Yes, yes. So um, us people of Kohala, um, we do like to boast a little um, about our ali'i, but uh, it's really coming from the, the mana'o or the understanding that um, every one of us, you know, we all come from some land-based culture, um, but that we as people are all direct reflections of the environment and the aina that we come from. Um, you know, and that, that speaks to both, again, both the land and the people that are surrounding us and, and feeding us and nurturing us. Um, and so we do believe that um, our ali'i were great because they came from an aina that was great. Yeah, and, and mm -hmm. that Kohala was thriving. Um, and, and that's a huge reason why Kamehameha was also such a great, uh, such a great leader. Yeah, and mm -hmm. again, that idea, we are direct reflections of the environment that we come from. And so... And um, uh, proud to say that. Yeah. <laughs> proud to be Hawaiian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think also too that we keep touching on the on the aspect of mana. Mm. And mana is very, very important to if you're placed here, all of you out there, you know, no matter where you came from, no matter if you're born and raised here, no matter what ethnicity, yeah, if you're placed here, mana is important mm. for you to delve into yeah and see the value see the value in it you know like and and you know i mean you can probably parallel it to anything you know from from how your community thrives you know like the community of kohala or the community of waimea you know the community of kona yeah and i think we get so distracted by all the technology today too that we forget our what is our base yeah which is hawaii soul yeah and i'm all about the soul Right? And, you know, like, with these two soul sisters, oh, my goodness. I scared work with them on the land. You know, I might hurt my fingers from playing. <laughs> no, but but seriously, to, like, to to uh, understand even more about Hawaii and the Hawaiian style, the lifestyle, and to understand more about mana and, uh, you know, you got to get into the land. Yeah. You gotta get into the land. That's why this this particular episode, I felt that it was so important to uh, to get into the land, and that's why when we play our music, our Hawaiian music, which is so special, whether it be contemporary or traditional, yeah, that's what you feel. 
you feel the wind and you feel the land, you know, the breeze, the trade winds, you know, it's kind of embedded into the the music and the dance as well too, because that that's what we project, right? Because that's what we're connected to. Yeah, wow. that's why your work is important. <laughs> because uncle captures the, the mo'olelo or the stories and the experiences of place and of people and of a time. And he brings it to us right here, right now, you know, and, and that's a really important skill mm -hmm. that we need. And that was very prevalent amongst our kupuna also is Absolutely. their stories. They, they told their story through mele, through oli, through hula. Um, and you cannot have that um, melody unless you've experienced a place or you've been in the company of a peoples or you've been on the ocean. You know, having all of those experiences, you know, you start to feel a melody. And with um, us out here, we don't allow music. Because <laughs> the aina has its own music it's yeah. playing. If only you're listening, though. <laughs> yeah, so when kids come out here work and experts come out here and work and, you know, they automatically turn on their phone and they're listening to some music. Right, and, or they pump in that... that Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Music, like when somebody painting their exactly. house or something. We love it, we love it, you know, and we feel so bad when we go over there and say, um, you know, at lunchtime probably you can play the music or even when you're walking out, but while we're here working, when we're together, um, no music, please, right. you know. No Kanye West, no. Yeah. And yeah. The same part. <laughs> no Uncle Nolan. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and because we're just trying to uh, give them the opportunity uh, that we recognize and we value, and that is being present. Hamao, yeah. Be quiet. Be Hamao here. Kayo. You know, it's hard. It's like um, we come from a noisy world, and it's hard to turn off the noise in our own head, you know, and we see <laughs> the kids struggle. We give them how many chances from the time they walk into the <laughs> gate, and then we do a oli, and then we walk into another gate, and they have to be quiet. We give them all these chances to be present. At each step, they have an opportunity to be present. And what we discover is a lot of them before COVID would come in on vans, uh, 15 passenger vans, and it would be a quiet ride all the way over until they got here. But at the end of the day, there's like chatter and talking and they've made connections to one another. They've made observations on the Aina. They've made comparisons to the area they're from, to this area. And that is our goal is to just put that spark in them to be present, you know, and to be maka'ala, aware of their area, and to understand the importance of that mana that they've gained from this place. And then now they have a kuleana mm -hmm. to give that mana out. Responsibility, yeah. yeah. Now, kuleana, which is, yeah, responsibility. Everybody yeah. says, oh, I got this big kuleana, and it's a responsibility, but it's also a privilege. Right. Mm -hmm. When Mele has, asks me to take care of her daughter, Mohala, that is a kuleana. You know, I'm taking care of someone's child, but she could have asked anybody. So it's also a privilege. She mm -hmm. asked me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so kuleana is mea nui, mm -hmm. big. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think today too, you know, we come from, again, like Auntie said, it's a noisy world <laughs> um, and, and it's just nonstop, right? And that's how we grow up. And um, a lot of us are just in this, the hustle and bustle of the day-to-day -day things. Um, and I like this idea, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you got to unplug, especially to the kids. But I like the idea. <laughs> Another that, buzzword. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely a buzzword. But I like the idea that you're going to unplug from that, but you're going to come and you're going to plug in. Yeah, mm. so you are still plugged in, but where are you plugged into? What are you plugged into? Who are you plugged into? You know, and mm -hmm. so um, definitely a buzzword. Are you unplugging or are you plugging in? And where is all of that energy going and shifting towards? So. Yeah, I was talking to Adam earlier, too, about like, I always ask people too, because I grew up in the water too, mm -hmm. right? I grew up amongst my 
my ohana always going through the water is like when's the last time you've been in the water right that's a that's another yeah, like it's the way you detox right and and uh, and uh, right yeah. and also the way you elevate your spirit again mm -hmm. yeah your inspirations and stuff too you know and uh you know i think in indigenous knowledge doesn't matter if it's hawaiian or native american or aboriginal mm -hmm. it's more like i have an obligation mm -hmm. yeah yeah i have an obligation to continue to perpetuate mm -hmm. what uh what my elders kupuna people of the past you know have done for us have laid out for us so then that's i think that that's why that's the reason we are here right because our 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 kupuna each one of us uh our kupuna sacrificed something yeah. whether it was themselves or you know they sacrificed so that we could be here we could sit here today on this pu'u you could live here in these islands like how did you get here you know, how did you end up here? Even that is, is like the, uh, delicate in the way that you should, uh, <clears throat> you should imagine yourself in a, a whole new world out here today. Wow, that was deep. Huh? <laughs> <clears throat> so, I just uh, again want to just uh, kind of sum everything up and <clears throat> just ask you guys. Um, so, can people come? Yes, yes. Can they come on my can Of they, course. How does that yes. happen? Everyone you know? is invited. The particular Aina Punui is owned by Kamehameha Schools, and we have access. Um, so everyone is uh, invited to join us. Visit us on our web, our website, Ulumau Punui. Um, contact, contact us through there, or we're all over social media, Instagram <laughs> and Facebook. Uh, contact us there. Um, and, you know, we follow our COVID safety. We just have to have small groups. We can't have large groups. Um, yeah, everybody's invited. We'd love to take a, bring everyone here and show them. Uh, it's one of the reasons I'm here. Mm -hmm. is because I was a teacher uh, charged with teaching our culture in a Hawaiian-focused charter school, and I did not know about this piece of my culture. This is my backyard. My genealogy comes from here, and I didn't know about it. So, yeah, I personally am on a mission <laughs> to share with everyone that our ancestors were fantastic farmers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, mahalo for having us. Closing words. Yeah, yeah, like Auntie said, everyone's welcome. Um, we love to see all ages out here on the Aina, mm -hmm. and we truly believe um, that everybody has a way of connecting, you know. And um, we are here, Auntie and I like to say, we're just your human hosts here on the Aina, and uh, mm -hmm. we're so fortunate and blessed um, that we get to share the Ike that we do have um, about this place. And um, with that, we also believe that uh, whoever comes is meant to show up, yeah, on that day. And uh, Whoever of our elemental people show up are also meant to show up on that day. Mm -hmm. um, and whatever you take out of that experience, whether it's just the name or just the pu'u or just remembering the field walls, um, that's what was meant to be to be taken with you, yeah, and to be shared. Um, so mahalo for having us. Yeah, yeah. we look forward to yeah. to more. Well, thank you, ladies. Yeah. It's nice yeah. to be surrounded by Waini. And ask you guys one more favor before we close today's show. Can you guys carry me down the hill? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aloha, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this one. Apuel, camera, and me. Aloha and mahalo for tuning in to my podcast, brought to you by the partnership of Kahilo Theater and Hawaii News Now. Check out Kahilo's website and subscribe to support Hawaii music and culture. Aloha, everybody. 
This is Brother Noam for your soul. And welcome to the latest episode of the Puheo, the camera, and me. So I'm going to do my regular ritual that I do all the time. Unveil the mask so that I'm vulnerable. Yeah, take off the eyes so we can see. And for today's show, so excited, uh, giving everybody out there in beautiful Kahilo TV land the opportunity to view, yeah, and to get some terrific insight on one of uh, Hawaii Island's uh, uh, great music creators. And she's on the rise, stepping up and moving up into the realms of uh, Hawaiian music history. And I'm so excited because she's such an enthusiastic and innovative music creator. I like to think of her as a music creator, not just a songwriter, but the, the image and the essence of her music is embedded in this island, Moko Okeave, Hawaii Island. And uh, she comes from a much uh, well-known, prestigious family, Dele Mohana. And, uh, you know, she's just a wonderful person to hang out with. And, you know, I just enjoy her company and uh, her manao, or thoughts, and her ike, the way she sees things, right? And what she visualizes and everything. So, you know, without any further ado, I'd like to welcome, uh, sit next to me, uh, the beautiful Asia Lin Yap. Aloha mai Mahalo for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. Um, yes, thank you so much. <laughs> Mahalo for that lovely introduction. I appreciate it. Wait, I get one more. We can make one more, you know. I can make plenty. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's all good. That was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, Thank no, you. Too, you know, too. I mean, there's so much to balao or to talk about, you know, when it comes to your ohana, the lim ohana, right? Because uh, it's so rooted into this island and everybody, you know, to be bred <laughs> in a family of such stature, you know, music, culturally, and lifestyle of Hawaii. I mean, that's what Pueho Camera and Me is all about, yeah? Uh, and Kahilo TV, bringing, bringing those, uh, those kinds of uh, uh, family-oriented or ohana connection, yeah? So that uh, the rest of our viewers can see and enjoy that. So, you know, like, with, with your ohana, to be raised in that kind of environment, you know, I mean, you know, the standard is very, very high, right? So, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure my family is the same way. I'm sure, you know, you know, everything from dancing to, to uh, you know, studying all the different arts, including martial arts or, or uh, the music, especially too, right? And how they all interconnect. I mean, you know, like, I mean, you must have that, that history, yeah? I mean. Yes, there's definitely a lot of, um, there is some expectation there. Uh, I do appreciate that my family does allow me to just be free, to be who I am and to express myself. Uh, definitely coming from a Hawaiian entertainment family with the stature and the awards that they have won and um, especially on the hula side, not only on the music side, um, there is a level of expectation there. but. I'm just grateful that they have instilled in me the culture and traditions of my ohana here 
um, and that's embedded in Moho Kiave, and I'm just grateful for that because um, I can share that with the world. And that's really what I want to do, especially through my music. Mm-hmm. It's all to bring healing to this world and to you know, make music for the greater good. And that's how I always have seen my mother folks um, when they sing, it's healing to the world. You know, they're like, if people call them like angels, you know? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so that's, they've embedded that in me as well. And I'm grateful to be able to share. Wow, that's so beautifully uh, said. You know, and uh, the importance of it, I think, is what you're trying to let everybody uh, realize, yeah? That if it doesn't, if you don't make that important, you know, I, I think you're not going to grow, too, right? And, and develop, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, this girl is, she's a cool cat. <laughs> the way that, even just the way that she speaks, how she works it, like, and, and when we, we speak about music, man, me, I'm all into musicality, you know, if you got the rhythm and if you got the groove, yeah, of things, yeah, and how you apply that to life, and, you know, again, coming from a f- family like that, but then bre- having the, allow the opportunity to break out, yeah, and discover, innovate on your own, I mean, you know, yeah. What you got to say about that, man. You know, yeah. That's like... yeah. It's, in, it's important. It's important, um, you know, to branch out. And, you know, for me, I've started to move into other musical um, genres. I've actually produced, like, um, house, or I call it Hawaiian house music. <laughs> or it's very electronic-based. Uh, and that's some of the stuff that I produced for, like, Manaola. Um, who is also my brother, and then um, the brand, and I've definitely been an integral part of that uh, process, especially for my brother, because he and I are so very close. Uh, so we are, I think our goal is to always uh, elevate and expand Hawaii uh, through an indigenous lens, but how we can elevate it into the 21st century through different pop culture mediums like fashion, which he has done already, and through music. So we're actually moving into that right now. Um, I just built my own studio here in Waikoloa, um, so I'm very excited. I can show you guys a little bit later. You guys can mm-hmm. take some photos of that. And um, just right now, I've noticed on a musical platform in Hawaii, in the industry right now, is that there's not a lot of music diversity. And I see that how, for me as an artist, I come from a huge Hawaiian music background. You know, my uncle Sunny has done like Slaki. Um, I actually learned as a Hawaiian singer uh, alongside my mom. And my father's a musician as well. And so Hawaiian music, I feel like now we have the ability through all this technology that we're receiving, we can take it to the next level and take Hawaiian music and put it to a pop track or a you know put it on a hip-hop trap beat you know but I think people um, you know and people have done that like you know uncle yourself have definitely you know stepped into that realm um, you know sudden rush there's a lot of people and I see a lot of new and upcoming artists that are starting to you know step into that medium well yeah, yeah. I mean Back in my time, we would say it's pushing the envelope, right? But you opening the envelope, I told you she's a cool cat. You know, her her uh, uh, her peripheral vision 
yeah, and mine of how she would like to operate and elevate Hawaiian music, yeah, gets me excited as a former push the envelope kind of guy. Yeah, like I always, I always was not satisfied with what I was doing at the moment. Yeah, but what I was, what I was inspired by Hawaiian music, by the traditional Hawaiian music, I was inspired that to you know achieve like further heights, you know, and and back, like I said back then, we pushed the envelope. Yeah, but now people like uh, Asia Lynn here have the opportunity to open the envelope, you know, and I'm so excited for her, you know, that that she has that vision. Because a lot of kids in Hawaii too, and this for all you young listeners and watchers out there too, you know, you gotta go a little bit beyond the backyard. You know, doesn't mean that you don't, you know, you don't forget who you are and where you stand in the struggle, right? But like, and I think part of Ajalyn's, uh, uh not only the way that she was brought up, but uh, working with, uh, you know, uh, her brother, and and the brand Manaola and everything, you know, it it uh, elevates their ability to uh, to create, and that's why I call her a music creator. You know, well, the first times I met her, I said, "Wow, you're a music creator." Yeah? Like, remember that you're not just a musician, right? I mean, you know, but you know, tell us about when uh, you know how you got kind of got back into. Uh, uh, the acoustic and the Hawaiian music, you know, through just jamming with your father, you know, due to this. Yeah. You know, it's a kind of cool Mo'olelo story, you know. Yeah. Um, yes, I'd love to share that. Uh, I recently moved home back to Big Island. I was living in Oahu for about a good two years, um, working under my brother, and then COVID hit, and it was kind of like scary. Um, so I, you know, I decided to pack up my things and I moved back home to, you know, be with the Ohana and take care, of course, it's very important. Um, so yeah, I, I recently started to take more of an acoustic approach recently. I just started to play at the um, Hapuna and Hau Tree at Mauna Kea, um, which is really nice because I get to do more of an acoustic Hawaiian and it allowed, I play with my father, which I really enjoy. We're, we're a duo, and we've always actually played together down at Atrium, which I was so honored to have the, that opportunity to play with my grandmother. And I'm actually the mm -hmm. only one that has been in the family that has been able to, you know, sing and play with her. And it was so beautiful because I learned so much, you know. Mm -hmm. And this was before I even moved to Oahu. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of already knew that music was something that I really wanted to do and take further, of course, um, with hula as well. But hula is always going to be a part of me. Mm -hmm. um, and that those two mediums have definitely been something that I've um, used to express myself and share with the world. And with the music, um, yeah, taking that time during quarantine has definitely allowed me to reconnect with my dad. We've definitely, we bust out our guitars like every other night and we would just jam. And I love it so much because I'm learning so many new things and how and also getting the basic foundation of playing again and how because I was so coming from more of an electronic perspective like I've done DJing I've um you know I've DJed for a Diplo I did his after party in Oahu and like I was coming from such a electronic perspective but as a cultural practitioner and also being from Mokokiawe, my family has played such an integral part in keeping me grounded and connected to my roots. 
And so I feel that that's very important, especially with my sound too, and how I have incorporated a lot of Hawaiian implementation using like uli uli, ohe, ohe um, pahu, which I have my pahus over there. <laughs> I had to include them. Yes. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, and how I'm using modern day technology, you know, with all these plugins and, you know, VSTs and um, all these effects and how we can like elevate that sound too. And so by coming home, I was able to really um, increase that foundation because you know you're always learning especially as an artist you never stop learning that's mm -hmm. the main thing and so coming home and getting that education again for my dad of like just basics like you better get over here and learn this Hawaiian slack key because this is what it's doing and I'm so grateful because I recently <laughs> just did the pop-up makeke yeah. and the producer guys were asking me hey because I had to fill Uncle Sonny's spot and that is like huge, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, holy moly, sweating. I'm so nervous. You know, I gotta sing, I gotta play, I gotta play the guitar, and I'm the lead, right? And so they're like asking me, can you play like some slacky intro? And I was like, God, I even called my dad. I was like, God bless you for teaching me these things. And so like I did it, and they were like, oh my God, that sounds so beautiful. That's so great. We're gonna use that for the intro. And I was like, great thank god <laughs> but anyways it was it was so fun and i i i so enjoy this time especially being back home because i know this i noticed like for me and especially for my brother as well who we are more creative and inspired here because we're from here and this is where you know this is our home and our um our kupuna are here you know i mean they're always with us no matter where we go wherever we travel mm -hmm. but you know when it comes to the inspiration and what we what we need to be rejuvenated it's here yeah well again well said yeah oh i like translate that a little bit too yeah <laughs> <laughs> she's like i call it musical magic when that when that when that moment happens yeah and you know the moment that happened for her was was uh making that connection with dad again too right who's that's like your roots right and from your roots comes your foundation right so the tree can grow and grow again and blossom again you know and and I can already see how her mind would would work right because that's how I was inspired to yeah you take you take what our kupuna our elders uh, have already laid down as a foundation right yeah and then wow you see if you can you know if you can integrate like the electronic world into that too yeah mm -hmm. and keeping it still at a respectable level but but highly creative you know and and that's magic, you know, that's magic when you can, when that is art too, right? It's, it's, it, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. And I, I get so excited when I see uh, young music creators like that uh, moving in that direction, uh, but are firmly rooted in, in what their uh, uh, beliefs are and uh, how they are culturally grounded, you know? And so, I, you know, uh, Aja, I'm looking like super excited of where, where are you gonna go with all of this stuff and what's your plans like where you know are you gonna um, you know come out from behind the curtain <laughs> and go da -da, here I am you know or you know continue to to do both you know both the, I, I think that that's that balance yeah that that keeps you excited and inspired you know uh, you know excited to know about where where you're going with all of this yeah, definitely. Thank you. Um, yeah, I I actually because I just uh, rebuilt my studio. Um, I have a better setup now. 
had to sell a lot of things, but now I am actually in the process of doing my first EP, um, which I'm very excited to share. Um, it's going to be really exciting. I have some people that I'm going to uh, feature on the album as well. And so, or I mean not the album, but the EP. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely, I'm starting to come from more of an artist approach and I'm actually in the process of rebranding because I was under Asia Doll um, for a while actually. And I did my releases under that, um, you know, stage name, but it kind of was, I got the call because I was I was a DJ first, so I was self-taught. I you know I wanted to be a DJ, and I got this call from a friend, and she's like, "Hey, you wanna open up for Diplo?" And I was like, "Whoa!" And um, so it was it was huge, and that's kind of like how I started, and then um, the Asia doll kind of just flowed with the with that time, and so I just kind of kept that. And then started to um, do a lot of my releases under that name. But now I'm in the process of rebranding. And I'm actually coming out as uh, Hopoi now. Kalihilihi Ula Onalehua Ohopoi is my Hawaiian name. And wow. it was given to me. Yeah. <laughs> it was given to me by uh, Frank Kawaikapo Kalanihuit. Yeah, the yeah, which is name. another wow name too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm so honored and grateful. Tell, that us, tell us what that means. Um, yeah, so uh, Kalihilihiula is actually the, Hopoi is the goddess, and she was also Hiyaka's friend and like companion, and so um, she was also the dancer, and so she kind of like accompanied Hiyaka, you know, throughout the story, and um, it talks about Kalihilihi is the fringes of the Lehua Blossom, ah. yeah, and the Kalihilihiula of the red Lehua Blossom, Kalihilihiula on Lehua, the Lehua of Hopoi. So she would have all the Lehua groves. And so it was, this one is talking about the most perfect one of uh. the goddess. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it's like, you know, I wanted to honor that, especially um, because it has such a feminine, uh, you know, duality to the, to the name with the goddess and everything. And I wanted to um, honor that because I noticed in the industry nowadays, sorry, I go back into the music business side, but this is what it is. I noticed that there's not a lot of woman representation, you know, especially on a producer level. And Absolutely. I, you know, so me being a self-taught producer, I, I want to, um, I think there are artists that are moving into that, um, that position of, you know, uh, producing their own music, but, you know, to even record here and to record in um, Honolulu, especially, you know, there's Imua, there's Pena, and I'm not saying anything towards um, the men in the industry. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> how can I empower the next generation to be, you know, a producer, you know? And I, I'm so sure there is out there, and I've seen a few, and I've actually met a few when I was doing um, uh, some stuff on the mountain, and they're like, you know, I look up to you, like, I started, like, getting into DJing and, you know, um, producing, and I'm like, whoa, I, I don't even have, like, a big following. I, of course, I have been a part of the Ola, you know, scene, and everybody knows of me, and, but not as a, like, on a producing level, but now I'm, like, you know, starting to kind of see that I'm cultivating that, that mm -hmm. next generation, and mm -hmm. that's really my goal, mm -hmm. especially for young women, and indigenous Kanaka women, mm -hmm. because for me, I've had to go out and find the resources, and they're out there. Like Google is right there; it's on our phones. It's easily accessible. All this information, it just needs to be um, 
you know, you just have to want to find it. And I, in hopes one day to possibly open some kind of learning center to help, you know, mm -hmm. young kids in general to step into that medium because there's so much talent here mm -hmm. and there's so much we can do, but we just don't, sometimes they don't have the resources and mm -hmm. that's, that's sad because then the art community dies. And I noticed like even in a dancing community, especially here on this island, it's hard to find, you know, culturally embedded kids that, you know, or I mean, you do find them, but then they're like, oh, I don't necessarily want to do that. I want to do this. And I'm like, I know, but you could like, you know, use this as a platform or a launch pad for you to get there mm -hmm. in essence. and. For me, um, yeah, and I want to just make music for the greater <laughs> good um, through my project, Hopoi, and also I'm going to be collaborating. Um, my brother and I have a little project that we've been working on that's really exciting, so uh, we're going to definitely share that with the world pretty soon, and my EP will be coming out within the next couple of months, so I'm excited to share that, and yeah. So that's the intriguing part. That's what intrigues me about Ezelin too, yeah, and uh, how ambitious, yeah, yet uh, the mindfulness, yeah, to, to, to think that, you know, we need more women producers. I think that, like, that's so cool that she's a behind-the-scenes uh, producer and that she still, she still has the uh, 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 confidence to maybe take a step up into the spotlight for a little while too, you know? And so what it is, is like, cause I know for me, you know, all those years playing music and stuff, I was in and out and weaving and constant, but I constantly was moving. I wasn't stagnant with what I was doing. I was always innovating and creating, right? And so, and seeing that moment when, oh, maybe I should fit inside there. And, and, and again, not making, make a big hoopla about it, right? Just doing our work, yeah? That, that, that's what we do, that's how we roll, yeah? We make music, yeah? And we make history, yeah? And we document, right? You know, just all, and today, because of the silver lining of COVID, that's what everyone's doing these days, they're documenting. And hope, hopefully, you know, eight generations down the line, uh, our keiki are gonna see that stuff and they're gonna, and they're gonna look at it and say, oh, wow. You know, and they're going to be as inspired. And that's why I'm inspired uh, by you, you know, to see that. And it, it makes me feel really good that, you know, legacy is continuing, you know. So I would not want to stop you from anything, you know. Just go out there and play. And the fact that you can revert and come all the way back to dad and, and sit down and learn some licks and, and just be natural and, and play, play the original instructions. That's beautiful, because I'm there too. So with all of my episodes, I've been telling everybody that, you know, okay, we're not going to sit over here and play Coconut Girl. Yeah, we're going to play our roles, okay? Yeah, Although, yeah. I know. Well, you know, Kalani Fair beat you to it. You know, oh, he did. Yeah, because, you know, he really wanted to say, hi, hello. <laughs> but I was telling everybody with Mark, Bling, let's do something like that is us, yeah? Our roots, yeah, where from our na'au and from our pu'vai, yeah. Let's play a Hawaiian song. So uh, it'd be an honor to uh, back you up, man, and oh. and, and play a, a Hawaiian song. Maybe we can do one about kohala. Yes. What do you think? Yes, I'd love to share. 
just happened to have your guitar just there. Just so happened to have my guitar. <laughs> um, I'm gonna share a song um, that was made famous actually by my ohana, Maika Ikeanu Hanua Kohala, written by Kumuhula Kahaita Palinski. I'm really excited to share because this song means a lot to me and it also reminds me of Kohala and that's home for my family and my kupuna and so I'm mahalo for letting me share this song. Share that with well, you. That was a special moment. Awesome. <laughs>
So how about everybody? Yeah, what an honor and what a pleasure to uh, uh, share uh, guitar and share uh, kaleo or voice with uh, Asia Linia. What a voice for for Moku Okeavi, uh, Hawaii Island, and for the voice of uh, the women and the children of Hawaii. Again, Asia Linia. Thank you, my dear. Mahalo. Thank you for having me, Uncle. It's a pleasure. Always, always. I'm excited to work with you again. And mahalo to Kahilu TV for having me. Aloha. Well, hello, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you're interested in the Hawaiian Survival Handbook, this is where you get it. BooksHawaii.net. Come on, let's go. Let's survive and thrive in this beautiful place. <laughs>